Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. Good morning, family. My goodness, good morning, family. Yes, there we go. Oh man, great to to be here. You are always welcome to respond um, when uh, when something is said. It's good. Let me know you're here, you're following, you're present, you're not zoning out and thinking about the lack of dry place of this afternoon. So we're in a series called The One Series. And it's called The One Series because we, as Every Nation Tuane, we are one church, many congregations gathering across our city. And um, we're doing the same series. We're preaching about the same thing for this six weeks. We started last week already. And we're preaching about values. Okay, God has given us as a church specifically five core values that you see there. And we're preaching about those five things. And so last week, Philip sort of laid the groundwork for the series where he spoke about who ascribes value. And he defined values, what it is, how they're formed, how they affect us. Uh, A little bit of a recap from last week. Your values, what you esteem important. Those are the things that determine your decision making. Constant decisions form habits. Your habits form your character, who you become, and your character determines your destiny. So what your future is like, where you're destined to go in your life, that's determined by your values. And ultimately, we need to ask the question, who who ascribes value? Who determines what is valuable? Who determines what should be our values? And so, spoiler, uh, if you missed last week, go and listen to it. We're going to be having it available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of the streaming platforms. But God ascribes value. All right, his word describes value, that he determines what is valuable, what should be valuable, what we should uh, build our lives around, and what should determine our character and ultimately our destiny. So for the next five weeks, each week, we're going to take one of our core values in the order that you see them there. And so this week, I'm talking about lordship, the value of lordship, and the title of the message is The Preeminence of Christ. Preeminence, be honest, who knows what that word means? No one knows, except a couple of hands here, or you're too lazy to raise your hand. Preeminence means that Jesus Christ is before everything. He is above everything. He is preeminent over everything, okay? There's nothing on this earth that has the true worth of being esteemed equal or greater in value than Jesus Christ. That's what that word means, the preeminence. And so, I'm trusting that this message, the scripture this morning, will place that in our hearts. There'll be no greater value in our hearts and in our lives that determines our decision-making or our habits or our character or our destiny than Jesus Christ. Are you guys in for that? Let's talk about Jesus. We're going to read from Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. And um, throughout the scripture, you'll see I, I, bold, I bolded a couple of phrases that's used to describe Jesus. 
And so while we're reading this, I want you to ask the question, Holy Spirit, show me who is Jesus really? Who is Jesus and how does who he is impact my life? Because the thing about lordship is it's not a concept this morning that I want you to understand or even a thing to apply in your life, a value to apply in your life. No. Then you miss the point of lordship. Lordship is a person, Jesus Christ. When you get to know the person, then you adopt the value. Does that make sense? So the scripture and the message this morning is about the person and trusting that we'll adopt the value. One thing I also want to say about values is the church is a people. It's all of us. It's not a building. It's not a location. It's not an organization. It's a people. So even if we as a church say we value lordship, but only half of our people value lordship, then we as a church don't really value lordship. It's something that we all, the people of the church, it's not we write lordship on the building outside and then we say, yes, the building values lordship. The building cannot value lordship. The people can. And so this is what this sermon series is about. So let's look at Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. It says, and this is speaking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. That's what that word preeminent. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So who, while I was reading this, experienced something like a wow moment? Anyone experience a wow moment? Wow, is this Jesus? Anyone? Yaku, yes. Okay, all right. Let's build on that. Now, um, my wife is super cute. She can't see anything without her glasses, without contact lenses. And so I asked her to bring me her glasses. And so what she would do is, um, and I giggle, I giggle when she does this, she would, she would in the evenings, she would take out her contact lenses because she, she doesn't sleep with them. But before she does that, she would grab her glasses, she'd put it down somewhere, and then she takes out her contact lenses, and then she doesn't know where's her glasses. And she can't see without her glasses, so she looks for her glasses. Where are her glasses? And so sometimes she'll be standing in front of the sink, she's like this, and the glasses are here. And she says, Liffy, did you hide my glasses again? No. I walk to her, I take her hand, there they are. Oh, okay. And then she puts on her glasses. But if our sight is bad, then it leads us on the wrong path. It leads us 
to, to assume something wrong, that your husband is hiding them again from you. Not that I've ever done that, obviously. <laughs> if your sight is bad, it leads us to the wrong thing, to make the wrong conclusions, to walk the wrong path. We're going to hit our toe, make, hurt ourselves. And so the first thing we need to do is, this scripture gives us a certain glasses. Oh my goodness, my Livy. <laughs> Praying for sight in Jesus' name. We need to put on the glasses that the scripture gives us that through which we look at Jesus. Don't worry, they won't fall. In Jesus' name. Gives us glasses to look at Jesus through. Give us the right sight. We have the wrong sight, the wrong view of Jesus. We won't see. We're going we're gonna to make the wrong conclusions. We're going we're gonna to act wrong. We're going to have the wrong values. We need to have the right glasses. What are the glasses? It's this. It starts off saying Jesus is the image of the invisible God. What does that mean? So the Bible speaks a lot about image. We were created in God's image which means that we were meant to represent God on earth, all right? If creation wanted to know what is God like, should look at the humans. Good, gracious, kind, generous, forgiving, loving, glorious, great. That was, that was us. All of us were made for nothing less than to, to be representatives of God. That's your purpose. Your purpose is to live in the image of God, is to represent God, is that when people look at you, they see God, and you were, you were meant to live for nothing less than that. Nothing less. Anything less than that? What, what else are you living for? You're living for anything else? It's going to be insufficient. It's fragile. It can go missing. It can be stolen from you. It can be taken from you. It's fragile. Your purpose, you will always feel insignificant if you're not living to be an image bearer. That's your purpose. But we all know how the story goes, right? Genesis chapter 3, man invites sin into the world. And the image of God is distorted. It's changed. It's a distorted image. To me, this is now a very distorted view. Distorted image. So, we're separated from God. We are no longer in the image of God. But we are incomplete without being His image bearers. We are incomplete without that. So what do we do? We make images. We look for images to reflect God. We, we give ourselves meaning by becoming image bearers of something else. Ourselves. My image. I determine what I look like. I determine what I, what I ascribe to. I, I determine, or the world determines, or culture determines, but we make false images. We create our own gods. In ancient times, it was idols. Today, it's still idols. It's still devices. It's still things that we've made, we've crafted, that is still our idols, the images we trust to give us that purpose of being God's image bearers. Now, in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, the second one says, you shall make no image. I'm just going to move this a little bit up because I hear that I am... Yes, see. Sound guy always says, I'm so... Folk, like I'm preaching with wind. I say it's because God's spirit, you know, is wind. I don't know, you tell me when it bothers you too much, okay? But I moved it up now, then it's, it should be fine. You shall make no image of me, and you shall not bow down before any image. God said that, second commandment. Why? 
because nothing represents God accurately. There's not a single image that's going to represent God accurately. It's going to be distorted in some way. It's going to change our perspective, our view, our glasses, distorts our view. But we need his image. We need it, but it's distorted. So he says, don't make one, because it's distorted. And so over time, God would give analogies. He would say, I'm a father. I'm like a father. I'm a good father. But I'm nothing like the fathers that you know. Hmm. I'm a friend. I'm a friend. I'm a good friend, but I'm not like the friends you have. I'm a judge. I'm a good judge. I'm a really good judge in that I see justice executed. But there's no one on earth that is as good as me. There's not a single thing on earth that brings the image of God clearly until this scripture. When God says, Jesus, that's me. There's the image that you were supposed to have. There's the image that you need. Remember I said we're incomplete without being an image bearer? Jesus. And it says that Jesus is above all of it. He is over all of these things. He is everything. And therefore, if we need to be restored into an image if we need to be an image bearer, if we need to reflect an image, if that's why we have been created, then the reality, if Jesus is the image of the invisible God, then Jesus is all you need. Then you do not need those images, the other images. You do not need money. You're looking for the wrong solution. You do not need a cell phone. You do not need devices. You do not need a company. You do not need a home. You do not need a relationship. You're looking for the wrong thing. You only need Jesus because he is the image of the invisible God, everything that you have ever needed. And so now we get to Jesus being preeminent. So my first point, point and I use the word Lord rather than preeminent because we call the value lordship and maybe it's a word we, we understand better. But my first point is Jesus is Lord of creation. He is preeminent of creation. That's what the scripture is teaching. The scripture says all things in heaven and on earth, authorities, leaders, rulers, principalities, everything was created by Christ for the sole purpose and intention of being created for Christ. What does that mean? Well, being created by him means that the son was as much involved in the creation as the father and the spirit. It was their idea. They know it all. They created it. Let me give you an example. Anyone here enjoys drinking a nice cold beer on a hot day? Beer? Beer drinkers? Yes? Okay, couple. we've got a couple of beer drinkers. Beer, it contains water, ethanol, grains, sugars, proteins, hops, carbon dioxide, acids, vitamins, minerals, and flavors. Every single one of those things, separately, was created by Jesus Christ. Knowing that if you put them together, you'd have beer. He knew that. He created every single element of it. In fact, he knows the beer that you've been dreaming to drink because he knows the exact combinations because he made them. You think of a phone. 
The phone contains aluminium, steel, glass, diodes, circuit boards, conductors, lithium-ion, lenses, sensors, copper, gold, silver, plastics, and rare earth materials, among some other things. Do you know that every single one of those things was created and thought of by Jesus Christ? Do you know that every single element that I'm holding in my hand that has been put together to create a single device was thought out by Jesus? And he knew that if you took them and you put them together in a certain way to work together, you would get the phone. It's the same as money. The cotton fibers, water mics, the different kinds of ink, your home. Think of cement, sand, wood, marble, cotton, polyester, plastics, metal. All of those things were created by Jesus, knowing if you put them together, you get everything you use today to make your life better. It's created by Him. But here's the thing. Here's where we distort it. Is none of those things were created for us. This scripture says those things were created for Him. In other words, we take those elements that Christ created. We make something with a potential to glorify Him. Like beer. But instead of taking the image and using it to glorify God, we worship the image. We worship it. We get drunk. We grab it to numb the pain. We distort it. We make it about us. There's something to enjoy. Christ sharing with others that would reflect Him. Our phones. 57% of Americans agree that they are addicted to their, to their smartphones. 75% of people in this world experience separation anxiety when they leave their phones at home to go somewhere. Even if it is for a 10-minute walk. 75% of people who own this thing has a disorder. The average person checks their phone 144 times per day. Do you know what I call that? I call that worship. I call that making an image and bowing down before it. I call that value, attaching value. Our homes, our resources, our money, every single piece of those things, all of those elements that we have put together to create something that God has already thought of before creating everything, then we take it, and instead of housing someone that doesn't know Jesus for the purpose of getting to know Jesus or using my resources that the kingdom will expand, I use it for myself. I bow down and I worship it. All of these things were created things, created elements to glorify Jesus Christ a phone is a great tool that should, the purpose that you have this thing in your handbag, in your pocket, is that it should directly be attributed to helping you grow closer to Jesus Christ. Connect you to the world that doesn't know Him, so that they may know Him. But that's not the purpose that we use this for. But it's the purpose it was made. It's made for Christ. It's not made to be the creator, to be treated as the creator, to be worshipped. It was made to glorify the creator. 
here's the thing. When you start treating created things like the Creator, then your life will start falling apart. Things will start falling apart. Do you want to know why? Because this scripture says that Christ is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Did you see that? All things hold together. So guess what? You're falling apart. It's because Christ is not there. He's not holding things together. It's not about Him. He's not Lord. He's not preeminent. He's not above it in your life. You put anything above Christ in your life, it'll start falling apart. Because this is who He is. He is the God who holds it together. That's who He is. Jesus Christ is Lord of creation. Take off the glasses that make things equal or higher in value and see the truth that Jesus is above all of it. He's Lord of creation. Number two, He is Lord of the church. Verse 18, He is the head of the body, the, the church. Now this means obviously that above the pastors, the leaders, the preachers, the, the organization, the music, the band, the materials, the, 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 the sound, the, the, the lights, above all of that, Above the people coming into church, your comforts and expectations because you grew up in a certain traditional way of how church should be, above all of that is Jesus Christ. That's why the church exists. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you an example of this, okay? Let's say, let's say all of us take ownership of this church, okay? Hopefully this is not hypothetical, okay? It's your family, so hopefully you take uh, ownership of the church, but let's say we all do. And we see, man, we're not growing. There's not more people coming to faith in Jesus because of this church. There's not growth taking place, and people are unhappy. All right. We've got to solve the problem. So here's what we're going to do. Better lights. It's because they can't see the preacher, that's why. Right? The band. Oh, man, vocal, let's get vocal training for them. Let's lift the standard. Hey, excellence glorifies God, right? Seats, comfortable seats, air con. Man, when it's too cold, people just don't come. They don't come back because the air con, it needs air con. Vibe, some background music, smiles, presentation, designs, banners. Wait, I've got it. Free food. Free food. Fires burning outside, smoke. Oh, but please, just ensure that the coffee is good, right? Bathrooms, no water in the bathrooms, never coming back. What, the service went for an hour and a half? Just don't do that. People got to get home. They've got to go watch their three-hour movie. Please don't spend an hour and a half in church. Let's lift the experience. That's, the, that's, that's what we run to. We lift the experience, Right? You know what's the problem with that scenario? The problem with the solution? In the solution, Jesus is not preeminent. People and experiences. That's what's preeminent. That's what's determining our decision-making and the quality of the service. It's people, not Jesus. The expression of our church, of our services, should point to Jesus, not to the expression itself. People will come in here, they will sit, 
and well, these seats are very comfortable, but let's say they weren't. Let's say they were cold and hard. And there might be people who say, I'm not coming back until you change the seats. We have a saying in the church world. Um, it's, it's called ecclesiology. It's the study of the church. It says, whatever you do to get people to your church, you've got to continue doing to keep them. So if you held a competition that people could win money or win a, a, a seven-day, all-paid, all-inclusive holiday to Mauritius, and that's what drew in the people, then that's what's going to keep the people. Then every week you're going to need to do that. That's how it works. You create an expectation. When people come, what do you feed them? If you feed them junk food, they're going to come back wanting junk food. You start giving them veggies, they're going to say, no thanks, I'll go where I can fetch my junk food. What is this church feeding people? This scripture says, everything should point to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who holds it together. And if you walk in here and you come sit here and you do not receive Jesus Christ, then people are going to leave. So when we want to solve the problem, if we see this church is not growing, then we need to ask, how do we better point people to Jesus? How do we better introduce people to Jesus? How do we get them in relationship with Jesus? How do we better represent Jesus? Should we get better lights? Well, if it helps people see Jesus, sure. Should we make it more excellent, better production, if it points to Jesus? Yes. What about the food? Yeah, absolutely. I'm always hungry. No. Does it point to Jesus? I'll tell you what points to Jesus. When people become his image bearers. You people, when people walk in here through those doors and you greet them, we greet them friendly like Jesus would. And we find out about their lives like Jesus would. And we love and we pray and we minister and we care like Jesus would and like he does, we will grow. If you go out there and you live the life that Jesus lived, we will grow. Because Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And let's be honest, friends, you're, who's more attractive than Jesus? Who is more lovely, more worthy, more gracious and kind? Who is more what we need than Jesus? What is if you want aircon, go install it in your own house. Come here for Christ. There's nothing more attractive than Him. Jesus, the Lord of the church. Finally, Jesus is Lord and Savior. I've spoken a lot about Jesus being Lord. He's before all things. He's preeminent. He made all things. All things are by Him. It's for Him. And in Him, all of it holds together. And we see this dual role in verse 19 and 20 of, of Lord and Savior. Verse 19 says, In Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And verse 20 says, And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, He made peace by the blood of His cross. Do you understand what the fullness of God means? That in Him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell? You know our God... Psalm 33 says, He breathes stars. The sun is both beautiful and frightening, right? Because it's beautiful, it gives life. 
But it's frightening because if we were but a couple of miles closer to it, everything would die. Our God breathed those things. And all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. Here's what that means. It means that our God left behind His throne. He left behind the riches of heaven, the pearly gates, the golden streets. Our God left behind the heavenly host, the cherubim, the seraphim, the the glory, the grandeur, the sinlessness, the, the, the absolute love and worship of the Father, the fullness of all things that was ever created, the purpose and the vocal point, the middle point of it all. Our God left that behind to subject himself to what he made. Jesus Christ, when will, us, when will we ever subject ourselves to the things we create? We will never do that. I will never say I will serve the cell phone. I am beneath it. No, I will use the cell phone to serve me, right? That's what we do with things we create. Our God became subject to the things he created. He hung on a cross of wood that he made, nailed in with nails that he made, that he created for him. Those nails were meant to glorify him, not to kill him. Tied with a rope, the thorns was made by him, for him. The manger in which he was born, the excrement, because it was, a, it was, a, it was like a sty, it was, it was dirty, there was nothing glamorous about away in the manger, you know. There's nothing glamorous about that, nothing sweet and cute and cuddly. It was dirty, filthy. No one lived in that manger. manger. All, of the, all of the inns were, were done in Bethlehem. They were full. But the manger where the animals stay was not. God made that manger. Did not just leave a throne to come and take up a different throne. He left the throne to take up a feeding troll. And by doing all of that, by doing all of that, he, um, he writes all our wrongs that we've ever committed. He lived a life we should have lived and then he took the punishment. He was broken on that cross for us. Jason, maybe, will you join me on stage, please, Jason? He writes the wrongs. He, every distortion, every lie, every false image we've ever brought, every place we've ever looked for, everything we've broken on this earth, Jesus subjects himself to his creation. The things that were used to glorify him became the things to destroy him. Made by him for him, used against him as he humbled himself for us. To save us. Jesus is not just Lord. He's not just Lord. He is the pinnacle of creation. He's the middle point of history. He's the Savior of the world. He is Lord and Savior. So let me ask you a question. Number four. Is Jesus Lord of Christian? Is he Lord of René and Dippies and Peter and Borent? Is he Lord of Lucinda? Is he Lord of 
that Willifir household is the Lord of Gustav, is the Lord, Lord of Michael and Natasha, is the Lord of Henny, is the Lord of you. Because he's Lord of creation and he's Lord of his church and he's Lord and Savior. But is he Lord of you? And what is he not Lord of? Is there anything in your life that he is not Lord of? Because not having him as Lord is so silly. It's like you have an incurable disease that's going to take your life. And you go to a doctor and the doctor says, all right, it's good news and bad news. The bad news is you're going to die. That's the bad news. The good news is I can cure you. But you have to know that for the rest of your life, you won't be able to eat chocolate again. No chocolate anymore, ever. But then the cure will keep you alive until you're old. But you can't eat chocolate. What are you going to say? Oh, no chocolate means no life. Then I'll just die. Right? That's what you're going to say, right? Of course you are. That's not what we're going to say. We're going to say, Woohoo! That's a small price to pay. No problem. Chocolate is lesser than life, as everything else is lesser than Christ. Is there any more, anyone more trustworthy than Jesus to govern your life? Is there anyone more worthy to live for? To repurpose everything in your life around? To repurpose your fun? Repurpose your business, your company, your resources? Repurpose your time, your family? Is there anyone more trustworthy to govern over your life than the person that I've been speaking to you about this morning? But is there anyone more lovely? Is there, is there anyone that is, that is more deserving of our affection and our devotion? That is more kind? Is there, is there anyone who is more willing to love every part of you? Even the parts that no one has ever loved. Is there anyone more lovely than Jesus Christ? There is none. There is none. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationswane.org forward slash moikluf. That's everynationswane.org forward slash moikluf. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Yeah.